What's up, everybody? It's Big Luke here, man of the free, freedom of mind, money, and media. You're in the man of the free studios, in the place to be. It's me. Ruben's over there. You can't see him, but he's here with us in spirit. I can see him. He's very handsome. He's also pretty fucking smart. Um, guys, why am I doing this show today on how to buy a car? Is this pretty cookie cutter? Is this pretty uh, front of popular mechanics magazine? Uh, if it was normal context and anybody else's fucking show... Probably so, but not here. We're going to make it interesting and we're going to make it make sense. So why do I want to do this? Because I see so many people come into my dealerships, okay? They are ill-prepared. They have absolutely not a fucking clue how to buy a car. Now, is there a book on how to buy a car? Is there, I should write one. Is there an instruction manual? Again, I should probably write one, but no, there's not, guys. It's just like having a kid. It's just like raising children. It's just like hunting for a girl, which we'll do episodes on both of those. My God, that's genius, Ruben. But the bottom line is this, nobody was there to teach you how to buy a car, okay? Unless you were the son of a car dealer, ding sound effect. Unless they're, uh, you, you know, you were the son of a, or daughter of a good negotiator, or you somehow evolved into that business or that marketplace yourself, okay? Why is this important? I don't know, because the number two most, uh, biggest purchase in the lives of the average American is an automobile, whether it's a Tesla, whether it's a pickup truck, whether it's a fucking Volkswagen Vanagon, whatever the hell it is, you need something to drive around, right? Unless you're in the depths of New York City uh, and you're using public transit. But even then, as your life evolves, at most, at some point in most people's lives, they're going to need a vehicle, okay? So when I say people are ill-prepared, what do I mean? I mean this. I mean, they come into my car dealership and they walk in the front door and we say, hey folks, how you doing today? What brought you to CNY Drives? And they say, I'm here to buy a car and we see we say that's great we're here to sell one and then there's an awkward silence and then if you're a shitty salesman it's very awkward okay my guys are trained well most guys are trained well they'll break through the awkward silence but that awkward silence is a representation of the fact that the customer has no bloody clue where to go from there okay i should have wore a different hat reuben but that's okay um the customer has no idea where to go from there because when they walk into a storefront, okay, they're, they're used to walking into Walmart. There's products, okay, there's aisles, there's carts. They know what to do. They navigate to their particular uh, desired point in the store. They get the product that they're looking for. They might look at a few prices. They drop the item in the cart. They go up to the cash register. They self-check out. They swipe the card. They walk out the door. Or if they go to the one fucking lane in Walmart that still has an actual human being behind the counter, they have some meaningless banter they pay with cash and on they go. At a car dealership, if you are blessed enough to have stakes in the freezer, money in the bank, cashola, you can pay cash for a car. You can purchase one that way. I strongly recommend a test drive, okay? For the vast majority of people, there will be financing involved, okay? But even if you're making a cash purchase, even if you're the person that saved up 30 grand and went out shopping for the $25,000 car plus taxes plus a warranty and paid for the whole thing up front, you probably still made a few mistakes, okay? Now, I liken the process of buying a house to buying a car because it makes sense, okay? There's two very different items being purchased there. They have two very, very different uses, okay? But let's dissect it, okay? When you're buying a house, can you just call up a realtor and say, hello, middle-aged woman with the white pearl necklace and the collared red dress with the white blouse underneath, whose picture, just like a, a high school portrait, is on your business card? Would you mind walking me through this home and eventually letting me cut the red ribbon in front of it and just fucking own it? It doesn't work that way. Here's what happens if you really 
call a real estate agent. They say, hello, Dev. Yes, it's a very nice house. It's got a garden. There's an in-ground pool, brand new furnace. The roof is lovely. And right now in the, and it doesn't get quite that far. Um, somewhere in there, they say, are you pre-approved? Very simple. Why do they ask you if you're pre-approved? Because they don't want to waste their fucking time with you if you can't buy a house, okay? Now, if you just took offense to that, if I just triggered you, I'm not sorry. This is real life, okay? This is real life shit. And if you pay attention to this whole goddamn episode, at the end of it, it's going to serve you well and you're going to thank me. So swallow your pride right now, relax a little bit, and listen to what Big Luke has to say, okay? So the realtor wants to know if you're pre-approved. Here's why. Because when you get done viewing the house, first of all, it takes time. She has to spend time with you looking at the house, okay? She has to spend resources. She's got to drive there. You're not coming to her storefront. She's got to meet you there. She's got to show you around, yada fucking yada, get her a dress dry, clean, whatever the case may be. She wants to know if she does a good job and she pairs you with a good house and she does her job well, if she's going to get a paycheck from it. And there's no harm in that, okay? For those of you that want to go out and you want to go shopping and you want to stroke a bunch of salespeople, kick a few tires and come home and laugh about it, you should probably go fuck yourself, okay? Why do I say that? Because nobody comes into your gas station that you work at and just pulls the gas pumps off the thing and puts them back up and looks at the Twix bars and set them down and pulls into the parking spaces and back out and then says, all right, man, thanks for your time. Have a nice day. You don't get treated like that at your place of employment, so you shouldn't seek to do that at the places of employment that, uh, that have car salesmen, okay, car dealerships. Now, the reason they want you to be pre-approved is very simple. They want to know if you have the buying power to buy the product, okay? So... The next step in the process is they show you the house, right? Okay, they show you the house, you look at it. This is the same thing as the test drive, okay? So we'll kind of run these things parallel as we go down through. So when you get to the car dealership, okay, that's the first mistake. A few steps back, you should have checked with your local credit union. You should have pulled your Experian or your TransUnion or your Equifax credit report and found out what is my credit score? Do I have a repo from a year ago? What is my most recent piece of credit? Do I have high credit card balances? Do I even appeal to a bank as somebody that they would want to let borrow money? Okay, guys, I can't tell you how many people come into my car dealership and they're like, hey, I see you advertise for bad credit. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. They say, yeah, my credit's not so good. We'd say, all right, let's sit down. Let's have a look. Clickety click. They're a 703 credit score. They're a little heavy on some credit card debt, but they pay everybody. And four years ago, they had a paid car loan. Ding, ding, Mr. Jones, you're going to get 5%. You're going to qualify for 72 months, which is a reasonable payment. You can spend up to 40 grand if you want to, because you make 50, 60 grand a year. That person is ecstatic. Had they not come to my dealership, and this is not a shameless plug for CNY Drives, log on, apply today, and drive today at cnydrives.com. Um, I would never do that. Um, they're, they're treated well and they're given information. They're informed that they're not quite as bad as they thought they were. And we facilitate a loan for them. We facilitate a vehicle purchase. They're happy. We have a good customer because of it. Let me take you down a very different road. They go to a different dealership whose moral ground isn't quite so high who uh, doesn't necessarily employ sales and sales managers in the same capacity. They have their frontline salespeople who are simply sharks looking for commissions, which is nothing wrong with that, but you must play the game appropriately, okay? That same person goes to those people. Yeah, my credit's not so good. They see the 703 credit score. They see a little bit of a debt load, but certainly the ability to sell this person a car, they're gonna come right back out with the same frown they entered the sales office with. Yeah, Mr. Jones, yeah, it's not so good. Um, 
probably going to need some cash down. You're probably going to have to up your thinking from three to $400 a month. Um, and I know you said you needed an SUV with a third row seat, but we really need to be looking at Nissan Altimas. It's just, it's just what it is. I'm sorry. And then that person, because they're not educated, because they don't know any better, because they're trusting, they get raked over the coals, they get a high monthly payment, they get buried in an automobile, and they don't get the car they want, okay? Don't let that be you. Educate yourself. Establish your buying power, okay? Go to a credit union, which I strongly suggest you become a member of a credit union local to you. Don't go to fucking Bank of America. Don't go to Wells Fargo. Don't go to one of these major institutions that actually charges you money to put money into their bank, okay? Get with a credit union, a relationship-based lender, somebody local who has some, some stake in the local scene, okay? They're going to serve you much better. But Establish buying power. Figure out if you even qualify to buy a goddamn car. Do I need more money down? Do I need to be looking at less car? Do I even qualify? Do I need a cosigner? Figure that shit out before you step across the threshold of a car dealership. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to save you embarrassment. And it's going to ultimately help you make a much better buying decision. Okay? So you go in to buy a house, you got to be pre-approved. You go in to buy a car, it should be no different. You shouldn't treat it any other way. Okay? You go in to buy the house. You take a thorough tour of the house. You look at every nook and cranny. You open the cabinets. You smell the fucking carpets. You go upstairs. You go downstairs. You look at the roof. You look at the backyard. You, you stand at the other end of the yard from your wife to see how far you're going to throw the football to your new little Jimmy that's going to grow and your wife's pregnant and whatever the fuck. I'm painting the picture. You get it. The American dream. Test drive the car. You would not buy the house without walking into the backyard. You would not buy the house without going down into the basement to see if it's wet. And you certainly wouldn't buy the house if it didn't have the things in it you were looking for. And you wouldn't just assume that they were there because it was at a place that was advertising it for sale. Okay. I see people do that all the time. They come to pick up the car. Well, how do I work the remote start? I'm sorry. There's no remote start on this car. Well, I, I, th I looked at six of these. They, Four or five of them had remote start. Yes, but this one was the one with the lower trim level. Remember, you had to be under 300 a month, and this was the car that was 299. The other ones were 325. Well, I just assumed they all had remote start because they were all Nissan Altimas. Well, you're a dumb motherfucker, and I'm sorry because you already signed. That's just what it's going to be, okay? So test drive the car. Check and make sure that the appropriate amenities that you're looking for are in the automobile. Very simple. You wouldn't buy the house without looking at it. You shouldn't test you shouldn't buy the car without test driving it. Okay. Before you can close on your home. For those of you that have bought a house, you know this. For those of you who have never bought a house, you need a fucking home inspection, okay? And I don't apologize for all the profanity. You need to pay the fuck attention. And if I keep using the fucking F word, you're going to pay attention. Although it's getting a little cloudy. I should probably, no, no, keep going. All right. You need a home inspector. They're not going to let you buy the house without a home inspector because it needs to be signed off on. It's part of closing. You need to have a home inspection done. More importantly, for the bank to lend you the money. Now, let that permeate, resonate, any kind of other fucking hate. Let it sink in. You need a home inspection because the bank doesn't want your goofy ass walking into that house going, yup, yeah, this one's good. Yeah, this'll do it. Yeah, we're gonna get this one because you have no clue. You don't know if the roof trusses are solid. You don't know if the roof itself is gonna leak. You don't know if the furnace even complies with a health code. You don't know if the driveway is zoned properly. You don't know if the, the foundation is poured or stacked brick. You don't know any of these things. And you certainly don't know if there's conduit behind the sheetrock for the power wires to run through or if it's even necessary. 
Don't step into a foreign land and start negotiating land purchases, okay? If you buy the house, the bank requires you to have a home inspection because the bank wants somebody who is experienced to look at the product that is the collateral that they're lending the money against. Collateral. What's that mean, guys? If you don't know, if you don't pay for the fucking house, they kick you out, they take it from you. They then sell it on the market and try to recuperate the money that they let you borrow that you didn't pay. Car, same way. Repossession, collateral. You don't pay for the car, they take the car back, they cash out of the car to recuperate the money that they let you borrow that you didn't pay, okay? So this lending institution, this bank that's giving you the money to buy this product, if it was a house, they would want a home inspection. G, do we think it might be a good idea to have somebody look over the automobile that's qualified to know if that's a piece of shit, it's a lemon, or it's a nice solid wagon that you're about to spend your hard-earned paycheck on? Yeah, I think so, okay? So if it's Uncle Larry, who's the, and don't get the Uncle Larry that you've never seen him work on a car, doesn't have any dirt under his fingernails, has no ASE certifications, sells vacuum cleaners for a living, but is perfectly sure that he's the one that knows whether or not it's a good car or not. No, hire a mechanic. Okay, if you're buying a car from a good car dealership, you come to one of my stores and, and you know, again, I wasn't gonna do any shameless plugs, log on, apply today and drive today at cnydrives.com. Wasn't gonna do that, not gonna do that, just not gonna do it. Um, but I welcome people to bring Uncle Bill. I welcome a young lady to bring dad or a young man to bring mom. Bring somebody to the dealership that will lend credence to the fact that the car that we told you is a good car is in fact a good car. Anybody that wants to sell you a product that doesn't want you if you're naive or if you come across as naive, or even if you're not, if you're just looking for the, the vote of confidence from somebody who is uh, more, you know, better versed in this product than you, anybody who takes issue with that is not somebody that you want to buy from. I repeat, anybody that does not want to allow you to bring somebody else into the equation to double check the product, make sure that it's a good product before you choose to spend your hard earned paycheck on it. If they're not comfortable with that, that's a red flag. That's a warning sign. That's a big neon no fucking way, okay? Because if they don't want somebody else coming in that's knowledgeable and knows what they're looking at, that means they've got something to hide. It's very simple. It's basic logic, okay? So bring somebody who knows, ask them to put the car on the lift, look it over, make sure the tires, brakes, ball joints, bar links, air conditioning is cold, head gasket is tight, exhaust ain't rattling, heat shields are, are, are sewed up. Just make sure it's a good car before you choose to spend your hard-earned money on it, okay? So you buy a house, you need to establish your buying power. You need to get an inspection on the vehicle. You need to take it for a test drive. You buy a car. You should do all of those things exactly the same, okay? So you've selected a car. You're at the point where you know you want a 2016 Ford Taurus with 86,000 miles all-wheel drive SEL package with a moonroof and a fucking red rope licorice dispenser. Congratulations, you got the modern day Mirthmobile. You've gotten approved for it by the bank. Your Uncle Larry said it's a good whip. You're ready to pull the trigger. Congratulations. Read your contract. Don't just sign it and go on gallivanting to your Friday evening activities. Don't just drive the car off the lot and get to the, 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 the SU game because it's Saturday and dome parking is tight. You will need to pay for this car for the next four, five, six, seven years of your life, okay? Um, if you're not financing the vehicle, it may have taken you the last one, two, three, four years of your life to acquire the funds to make the cash purchase. Either way, you've got a lot invested, okay? So don't just jump in head first and say, fuck it. They're going to present you if you're financing with a bank contract. It's gonna be about yay long, okay? That was not a Kanye West reference, by the way. 
Um, I might want to change my name, Ruben. What do you think? How about Biff or Lou? Lou. Anyways, big motherfucker like this, right? It's about a legal pad worth with another, I don't know, three, four inches on it. This contract is binding, guys. It's black and white. You're putting ink on it. You must adhere to what this contract says you must do. You got to pay the interest. You got to take it out for the term. You got to, you know, well, unless you live in a state with no prepayment penalty. So regardless, it's important, guys. If you're signing a contract, it may have a caveat in it that you're not aware of. Um, for instance, you buy a car, it's going to depreciate immediately. The moment you drive it off the lot, it's worth less money. It's had another owner. It's just basic fucking knowledge. You're going to put miles on it. You're going to use it. You might drive off the lot and put no money down. Your car might cost you $20,000. Six months later, somebody might wad that motherfucker up on the way to the SU game, okay? They were drunk. You're okay. Thank goodness everybody's all right, but the car is fucking smoked. It's totaled. Insurance company comes in and says, well... Gas prices are back down. The market's back up. Everything is good. Cars are worth less because they're producing them at full scale again. I know this was 20 grand when you bought it. They're going for around 16 now and you've driven yours. It's had another owner. It's worth about $12,000. And you're like, okay, great. Give me the check. Then you call the bank and say, oh, I think I'm supposed to give this check to you to pay it off, right? Yes, you are. Matter of fact, you don't even get the check most times. It goes directly to the bank. Here's the problem. You still owe the bank $18,200 because there was interest on it. There was taxes. There was fees. You bought the warranty, which is a good idea, but you owe more on the car than it's worth. That's called negative equity, okay? And if you don't have the stakes in the freezer, the money in the bank, the savings in your savings account, to pay the difference between what the car is worth, according to the insurance company, and what you owe on it, you're proper fucked because you're not getting another car until that car's paid off. Unless you have a tremendous amount of cash and your credit is stellar, in which cases, uh, you, most cases you wouldn't have bought a car uh, by financing it anyways. So I digress. Guys, look at the contract. Read every word of it. It's okay if you're, again, little side note here, if you're doing business with somebody who is not okay with you taking the time to read your entire agreement, hand it back to them. Say, all right, Jack, it's got words on it. I wanted to read them. If that's a problem, I don't have to do business here. And they're going to say, no, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Because they're going to realize what a jackass they're being. If they force the issue and say, man, just sign it. I got to get out of here. You might want to consider telling them to take a piss and walking out of there and getting your deposit back because you just, nobody should want to do business that way. It's plain and simple, right? When you go to uh, buy a house, they require you to have a lawyer. You must have legal assistance. You must have somebody there qualified with ESQ after their name, Esquire. What's that mean? I don't know. Do you? Every fucking lawyer's got that, man. What does that mean? I don't know. Let us know in the comments below. You got to have legal advice if you're going to close in the house. Your lawyer's got to look through it. They got to be with you at closing. That's just the only way it's going to happen, okay? Buying a car, I don't want to say it should be no different because I don't think you need to walk in there with a guy in a fucking suit and a tie and a, you know, got a, got a, got a you know, laptop with him and sitting down like he's getting ready to prepare for a 12-man trial, a jury in a trial. But you should have somebody there with you that knows what they're looking at or you should educate yourself to the point where you know exactly what you're looking at and read every word of the contract, okay? So now, this last one's a little quirky because it's a great idea, but I don't think it carries over directly proportional, but the idea is the same. When you buy a house, you cannot take possession of the home, meaning you can't close and walk away with the keys until 72 hours three days after you've signed the closing disclosures. If you've never bought a house or a piece of property before, the closing disclosures are this sort of summary of all the pertinent pieces of the purchase. The interest rate, how much that interest rate is gonna cost you over the term of the loan. 
what the monthly payment is. How much of the monthly payment is interest? How much of it is principal or paying off the actual product? And uh, how frequently those payments come? The interest rate that you're paying? How much interest rate or how much interest you'll pay over the terminal loan? What type of insurances are included? What the price breakdown is? How much is price of house, car? How much is tax? How much is service fees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, you cannot take possession of that house until three days after you've signed that summary. Not, not execute the closing documents, not the contracts, okay? You, you need to sign a summary that says, I got a pretty good fucking idea of what I'm doing here. And I am pretty sure I know what the fuck's going down. Then you got to wait three days. Why do you have to do that? Raise your hand in the back. That's great because they want to make sure that you have a cooling off period. They want to make sure that you have a little bit of time to say, did I get talked into this? Is this the wrong thing for me? Is this what I should be doing? Can anybody think of why that's important? Yes, you in the red hat. No, that's not correct. What's correct is when you buy a house, there's so much at stake. They want you to pay that payment so bad. They want to get their money back. They don't want any fucking chance that you're not going to pay that loan. They just, it's, it's not even in their mind. Okay. One way that they can guarantee that that's done. Obviously there's no guarantees in life, but if you make somebody wait three days before they take possession of the item, the chances of the ether wearing off, if it was just an impulse purchase are pretty good. Somewhere in those three days, the wife is going to ask you what the hell you were doing. Somewhere in those three days, you'll have a bad day at work that'll make you question if you have the funds to support the purchase. If there's anything that's going to teeter that thing to the no side of making a deal, it's going to happen in three days, okay? When you buy a car, it's the same way. When you agree to purchase that automobile and you leave a deposit, you absolutely should take delivery of the automobile. That's why I say this is a little bit different. I'm a car dealer. You come into my spot, you test drive three or four cars, you make a deal with one of my salespeople, you say, there's my Amex, whack it for the $500 deposit, get the tires, the brakes on it, clean it and put my floor mats in there, I'll be back to pick it up on Friday. If we do all that and you don't come back and pick it up on Friday, we're keeping your deposit and you can go take a piss, okay? You don't have to come in and sign for the car and take delivery of it because we can't force you to, but we're keeping your money because we put brakes and tires on it, because we did clean it, because we used our time, money, and resources to get the car ready for you because you said you wanted it. So we're well within our rights to keep that deposit. It's the second line on my buyer's order and we highlight it, okay? Most dealerships are the exact same way. So do I think that you should uh, sign the fucking purchase agreement and then wait three days to come back and pick it up? No, pick it up whenever they tell you it's ready. What you should do is go in, look at the car, test drive it, figure out which vehicle that you want. Then once you have landed on that vehicle and decided the numbers work for you and everything's good, go to lunch. Let's go to lunch. Okay. It doesn't have to be three days. And you know, I'm in the car business. Do I want to see the customer drive away and go home and sleep on it? No, no, I don't. Because it's not the type of purchase that, that warrants that type of thinking. Okay. People go look at a house, they, they can't research the house, right? It's not like there's six red mercury sable houses and they can just pick from the one that seems like it's in the best condition. Every single house is completely different, okay? Some of them have poured concrete basements. Some of them don't have a basement. Some of them have three stories. Some of them have no stories. Some of them were the grounds of where a horror story took place. The body's dead. You know, it, there's a million different little nuances that, that a house can have. There's a million different reasons that you could want to maybe buy or not buy a house. 
cars are pretty cookie cutter, man. Every single one comes across the same assembly line, the same way, and you're just going to see if it's rusty, if it's beat up, if it smells like cat piss, whatever the case may be. So I don't think you need to spend three days deciding if that particular, uh, you know, Mercury Mariner is for you or that particular Toyota Camry is the one. No, you knew it was a fucking Camry. You could go online and see all the options. You could go to six different places closer to your home and look at one just like it. What you had to do that day was you had to go and make sure that that particular one drove okay, that you liked the place you were buying from, and that was the one for you. Should you immediately, when you get back from the test drive, say that's the one, slap the money down and take off and go out the door? Now, there is one caveat to that. If you're a well-researched buyer, if you've bought many cars before, and there is another person at the dealership looking at that exact same car, and you've researched it to the point where all you had to do was drive it and make sure that you liked the way the seat felt and the car fits your body because you have back problems, that's an extenuating circumstance where it may be okay to make the purchase in that moment. This segment of Man of the Free is more appealing to the younger buyer, okay? It's more appealing to the buyer that really doesn't have a lot of experience and is somewhat naive to the purchase process, okay? I'm talking to you, 16, 18-year-old girl who's headed off to college and needs reliable transportation. I'm talking to you, you know, 23-year-old young man who's been at his welding job for a couple years, and now he needs a pickup truck so he can get on the out-of-town crew, okay? I'm talking to you, a uh, man or woman that's been supported by your spouse over the course of the past 15 years. Your marriage just came to a rocky end. You got some divorce money. Now you need to buy your own vehicle because you relied on your spouse for that, okay? There's a million different examples I could set. I'm trying to hit all demographics. But the point is, if you're not super experienced, you should at least go to lunch. You should at least leave the premises, okay? Get the ether off you. Get away from the salesman. Get away from that shiny fucking convertible that you want to drive home in, okay? Space yourself out. Take a breather. Wash it off your shoulders. Wipe it away from you. Go have some fucking McDonald's. Go have uh, you know a drink if that's what you do. As long as you've got a driver, do something that'll get your mind off for a minute and allow you to just relax. Get the dealership out of your head. After a moment, after twenty minutes, half hour, an hour, then revisit what's just happened. Replay the scenario in your head. Then go back. Drive the automobile again. Yes, that's correct. Take another test drive. Make sure that you still feel the same way about the car. Make sure that it still fits the same way. Make sure the stereo sounds good. Fade it to the front and back and balance it to the left or the right with the speakers. Rock the steering wheel back and forth when you drive it. Try the wipers. Try the moonroof. Try the power trunk release. Use the remote start. Make sure that everything works because there's many, many things on a used car that are not the responsibility of the dealer that you may presume are in good working order. Go back, drive the vehicle, look at it for a second time and then if and only if then you feel like that's the one for you pull the fucking trigger let's go get your car have fun enjoy it you fucking earned it okay finally the last piece of this you are not allowed to close on a house unless you have the proper insurance in place okay homeowners insurance it's required that motherfucker burns to the ground they still want to get paid okay there are two count them two very important, good thing we don't have Biden here. <laughs> two very two words, made in America. Two very important things, okay? One is called gap insurance. The other is called, some people refer to it as mechanical insurance. Most people call it an extended warranty or service contract, okay? So you're buying this big shiny automobile with like 1,600 
moving parts and mechanical parts, okay? The chances of you going the entire term of your loan or the entire period that you plan on owning that automobile without one mechanical failure is, uh, I don't fucking know, probably should have looked the statistics up beforehand. But as you can imagine, it's very good that you're going to brake. It's not very good that you're going to drive the whole time without having to deal with anything, okay? Now, a warranty isn't going to cover you for brakes or tires or wiper blades. That's maintenance, okay? That's like buying a house and wanting somebody else to pay for the drapes, all right? Homeowners insurance will pay for a chimney that falls over. They'll pay for a hailstorm that tears up your roof. They'll pay for the house if it burns down because the furnace shit the bed. Mechanical insurance or a service contract will pay for the alternator if it breaks. It will pay for the transfer case if it breaks. It'll pay for the engine, the transmission, the drivetrain, the power steering, the air conditioning. Before I get too involved, this is most insurances. Some insurances are powertrain, powertrain only warranties, powertrain plus warranties. Read the warranty. It's always usually going to cover the engine and the transmission, the things that keep the vehicle going down the road, okay? And then from there, there's certain levels and there's higher tier warranties that you can purchase. Of course, the more you spend, the more you get. But there is no reason, okay? And some will say this is a used car dealer pitching this because he's a used car dealer and warranties are a profit tool. Do I make money when I sell you a warranty? Absolutely, I do. I also make money when I sell you a car. So trying to sell you a car, is that some underhanded ploy to make money? No, it's a product that's necessary and it has a profit margin and otherwise no one would want to fucking sell it for a living, okay? Warranties are the same way. They're a product. I believe they're necessary. And anybody who's bought a warranty and used it is going to tell you the same exact goddamn thing. The only person who's going to tell you that a warranty is a bad idea, there's two different people that will tell you that. One, somebody who's never bought a warranty. Interesting. Same people that tell you steroids are a bad idea and have never pinned a fucking needle of test in their ass, okay? There's also people that have bought a warranty, and these are very few and far between, bought a warranty, paid a high dollar amount for it, and never made a claim. Owned a vehicle for three, four, five years, never experienced a mechanical breakdown. But these were also most likely the shopper that didn't realize that if you only drive 6,000 miles a year, you shouldn't buy a six-year, 86,000-mile fucking extended warranty because you're not going to use it, okay? I digress. Warranty coverage, insurance coverage on your vehicle is pivotal. You'll be paying $375 a month for the vehicle. If something breaks, you'll be paying $1,175 that month for the repair. Or you could have paid $399, $419, $439, 30, 20, 40, 50 bucks more a month for the warranty and known that if the motherfucker breaks down, you drive it into the shop, you get it fixed, you drive it back out and you continue to pay for the vehicle. Banks love warranties on cars the same way that home lending banks, mortgage banks love insurance because they know if the shit hits the fan, they're still getting paid, okay? And a lot of times you can negotiate a better deal with a bank if you agree to include warranty coverage, okay? The other insurance is gap insurance, okay? You drive the vehicle down the road, you total the car, the insurance company is going to pay for the value of the vehicle, okay? They're not going to pay you what you paid for it. They're not going to pay you um, anything other than what the tangible, real replacement cost of that automobile is in that exact moment. doesn't matter if you paid 20 grand for it and the market took a shit and it's only worth 12, okay? I touched on this earlier in the broadcast and I'm finishing it up now, putting a little bow on it. Gap insurance is very important because if you total that automobile and it doesn't get paid off, you're going to have a hell of a time trying to buy something else, okay? So gap insurance, extended warranty, 
two absolutely pivotal, important things that you must have when you purchase a vehicle, in my opinion, okay? Now, we've likened the, per the process of purchasing a house to purchasing a car. I've taken great lengths to explain to you why both of those are very important, why both of those have so much in common, excuse me, of course they're both very important, all right? But what does it boil down to? When you're purchasing a used car, you must educate yourself, okay? Don't just go to the, the dealership and shop for a car the same way you go to a mall and shop for a pair of shoes. They're very, very different, okay? Something on a little bit lighter note, okay? You gotta enjoy your car, okay? You can do every bit of research. JD Power & Associates can tell you this is the best car in the world. The bank can tell you it's a good buy. Uncle Larry, the mechanic, can tell you it's mechanically sound. But if you're not happy with it, if you're not comfortable in it, if you don't think you're gonna wanna slide the kitchen curtains to the side and look at that shiny new Toyota Camry in the driveway because you've always wanted a Mini Cooper, or you don't wanna look at the Chevy Traverse that was practical in the driveway because you always wanted a Volvo XC90, this is one of those things, guys, that you should spend the money on, that you should splurge a little bit. Do I think you should go over budget? No. No, absolutely not. Do I think that if you want something a little more, you should save a little bit longer and put down the money to make it in your budget? Yes, I do, okay? I see too many people driving around in a car they don't like, okay? And this life is too fucking short to be doing anything that you don't like to do, all right? So from Uncle Big Luke to you, when you're shopping for a used car, do whatever is necessary to make sure that you can enjoy the process because you can go out and buy a vehicle that you want to own. Now, does this mean that you need to go tell your dad if he's paying for it that you must have a Ferrari? No, be practical, okay? And Ferraris aren't that good in the winter. But I'm trying to explain to you that as a guy that's been doing this for 20 some odd years, the amount of people that I see in a vehicle that they don't like just astounds me. You walk up to somebody and say, hey, you really hate that shirt, don't you? And they're like, no, why would I wear a shirt I hate? <laughs> that's a great fucking question, buddy. You, uh, you just hate that hat that's on your head, don't you? I mean, this one, that's my favorite, as a matter of fact. But they never, they're never going to say yes, okay? You walk into their house and you're like, man, this was the last one on the list, wasn't it? This is the house that you didn't want to buy. And they look at you like you're some type of asshole, okay? A car should be no different, guys. You should not be driving around in an automobile that you're not proud to be seen in, that you don't enjoy, that you don't have pride in when you, when you show up to your fucking family reunion or to you go to, you know, to, the, to, the, to the club to have a date with your old lady, all right? You should enjoy it and be proud of what you're driving and you should do what's necessary, whether it's save a little bit more or spend a little bit more, okay? Now, for those of you out there in social media land who are saying, well, Big Luke, it must be nice. You see, I got shit credit. Hey, Luke, it must be nice to be able to say, buy what you want to buy, because I don't have rich parents, et cetera, et cetera. I could give 20 different examples. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, okay? It's got nothing to do with me. Don't be mad at me. Don't misdirect your anger and be triggered and pissed off at everybody but yourself. There's only one person that can control the car in your driveway. And if you don't have a driveway, there's only one person that can control whether you do or not, Okay. This makes me think of a, a, a young man who's about to be on this podcast here pretty soon. Shout out Antonio Diaz, IFBB Pro. This guy, I'll let you tell his story when he comes in, but this man drives a luxury automobile. He's a pro bodybuilder. He, he lives in Arizona. It's beautiful where he lives. He's got a loving wife, healthy children, living a fairy tale fucking life. This is a guy that was woken up to, by the police one morning after his mother kissed him to bed the night before 
because he didn't know she was a crackhead. And he woke up the next morning to Child Protective Services in the police department, taking him by his hand out the front door into a police patrol car and off to the orphanage, never to see his mother again, never to see home again, to have to figure out for the rest of his life the entire fucking thing on his own. No good uncle, no mother, few friends here and there. Couldn't trust them. Couldn't even trust his own mother. He'd been abandoned. Yet he drives a luxury car. He's happy at what he sees in the driveway every day. He's happy with his body. He's happy with his life because he figured it out. Because he stopped asking for help. He stopped, excuse me, he stopped making people feel like he was entitled to help or trying to make them feel that way. He stopped feeling like he was entitled. I don't believe he ever did. He stopped blaming other people for the fact that he didn't have what he wanted. And he said, listen, I was given a shit hand. And you may have been given a shit hand. I certainly don't think I was dealt pocket fucking bullets, okay? But here's the deal. You've got one life to live, and it's yours to live. Everything that you do will have a consequence. You can throw a boulder in the ocean, and the ripples are going to meet the edge. You can throw a pebble in a pond, and the ripples are going to meet the edge. You can also throw a pebble in the ocean. It's going to take a long motherfucking time but the ripples are still gonna meet the edge. Every action has an effect. It will have a consequence. Something will come of the choice that you've made. And if you continue to choose to sit on the couch, if you continue to choose to blame other people, if you continue to choose to feel sorry for yourself and not get up off your ass and start being productive and pushing forward, regardless if it hurts, regardless if it's uncomfortable, regardless if no one's standing on either side of you to hold your fucking hand and walk you into the sunset, okay? It's your life. Grab it by the balls and start living it. So if anybody took offense to the fact that I'm telling you you should spend money and buy the car that you wanna buy, okay? That's your fault, not mine, all right? We live in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And you can do whatever the fuck you want to do with the life that you've been given, okay? So, if you need motivation, I got a lot more videos. If you need help, we got an email, okay? But I promise you that there's a purpose for you and that you can have exactly what you want if you choose to get up off your ass and go out and grab it, okay? But you must stay hungry. You must stay focused. You must stay educated. More importantly, you must stay free. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you got some value as always. See you next time. It's Big Luke signing off.